There is a freedom that comes in the presence of God. And there is a freedom that comes by the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit that gives liberty. And sometimes these things, you know, the Bible tells us we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, right? Maybe you've ever heard that before. Our love to God should be with every fiber of, my, of our being. And how many? Thank you. I was like, who's attacking? <laughs> you saw a red blur. I was like, ha! <laughs> Security team. Phew. <laughs> but I knew he was small. I thought I could baby take him. <laughs> it was something like Bubble Lens coming at me. I found out, no, sorry. I, I, Bubble Lens has a size 18 shoe. I was like, what? He's one of our security guys. I said, well, that's good. So look out for him, all right? Just, you see him before, you hear him before you see him. Where are you, Bubba? Where are you? Are you even in here? He's out doing his job. All right, praise God. All right, anyway, love the Lord your God. You thought I forgot, didn't you? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. How many of you know that your brain has two, si two sides, two, two functions? There's the analytical side. There is the sort of the emotional creative side. How many of you knew that? And for some reason, church feels like we should always be more on, on the analytical, study, studi studious side. But every once in a while, man, the Holy Spirit, I, I think God wants us to worship him with joy. He wants us to worship him unashamedly and unreservedly. And, and, and if that is not your style, we love you, that's okay. Once in a while, we just break out in that. And, and, and it's, it is very freeing and it is so good. And, and the Bible in the book of Acts, it says that when, when they, as they ministered to the Lord and as they fasted, that was when the Holy Ghost began to, to speak. And sometimes as we minister to the Lord, as we worship the Lord, as we create that habitation through praise for his presence to come into this place, something dynamic begins to happen. And I've been praying for a year and a half uh, at least. I've been praying, uh, as, as the prophet did in Ezekiel, about the dry bones, the word ruach, that there was the breath, there was the wind of God. And, and I've been praying that over this church for a long time. COVID this last year sort of you know, kind of derailed a lot of things. But I just believe as a church we're coming into some things. How many of you kind of sense the same thing? You might be thinking, well, I don't know what you're coming into, but I'm leaving because this is too crazy for me. <laughs> I hope that's not the case. Certainly don't want to scare anyone. Um, and yet, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit, Jesus, they were kind of a little bit different back in the day. I mean, Holy Spirit encouraged Jesus to spit on the ground, make some mud, smear it in a guy's eye. I mean, that's kind of crazy. And then the guy walked away and he saw. Actually, I think they asked him, he said, what do you see? He said, well, I see men as trees walking. If I'd have been, I'd say, well, it's because you got mud in your eye. Get that mud out of your eye. And then he cleanses his eye, then he could see better. And, and so our hope is that, that you can see better, that, that you will understand what God is doing. And so I, I need to share some things with you this morning. Uh, we do this once a year. For those of you that are veterans of joy, you've been here, you, you know that we do this once a year, kind of a, a state of the church sort of a thing, a, a year in review. And uh, there's a couple of reasons, really three main reasons that I do year in review. And so if you're here today for the first time, as I said, come back, and this is not our normal preaching. If you're the kind of person that's like, man, I didn't come to church here, a business meeting, and your eyes are already rolling in the back, you're like, I cannot believe that you invited me here. Please, please, please. There's some really, really important things that I do need to say to you because as a pastor, and, and, and I've been doing this in this church for 29 years. This year in July will be our 30th anniversary, which is just a lot of hair ago. And uh, praise God. Amen. Do you, know, <clears throat> do you know that there were people when we started who said that church won't make it a, uh, if they make it two years, it'll be a miracle. Guess what? Amen. We're a miracle. Hallelujah. And they were Christian people. They're supposed to be on our side, not against us. And so God has been good, which is why that's so strong in me today. Even that, And so I want to take a look back. And for me, when I ask you to sort of pull back just a little bit, it's the 30,000-foot view of Joy Christian Center. We look back a little bit. And I, I sort of pastor, I have like an ear. I try to keep an ear towards heaven. God, what are you saying? I try to keep the other ear towards us as a church, what do we need? What's going on? And kind of looking, you know, towards our community, looking towards our church and, and all of those things. And on a weekly and daily and monthly basis, over the course of years, we're preaching messages and trying to hear and discern the Spirit of God in that way. When I pull back and take a 30,000-foot view, things look a lot different. And that's what I want to try to give you this morning. And there's some really, really, I think, miraculous, marvelous things that happened this year, in spite of everything else that happened this year. And so three reasons that 
that we do this. Number one is so that you can see what God is doing. I find that over the course of the year, there are themes sometimes that emerge. There are patterns. There are things that, that become emphasized that we had no idea that they would be emphasized. It's like the Spirit of God lifted it off of the page of the Bible, and it's something that is very, very important to us. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 29, and verse 18, you might have heard it this way. that uh, uh, This is the message version, but you may have heard, without a vision, the people perish. The message says, if people can't see what God is doing, then they stumble all over themselves. And sometimes, again, in the day-to-day, we stumble because we, we need to take a, a, a step back and then look. And, and that's partly what my job as a pastor is. I'm trying to help you to see what it is that God is doing right now. Because there are things that he is doing right now. And then he says, but when they attend to what he reveals, they're the most blessed. My greatest desire as your pastor is that you would be the most blessed. I don't want to miss out on any of the blessings that God has for us. Anyone else? I mean, I want to make sure we just get to the table and whatever it is that God has for us, that we would receive it. The second reason, this is in a sense in a business, this is, a, in a sense, it is a business meeting, but it's not like a classic business meeting that you may have attended in churches in the past. I've had people tell me, I didn't come to church to hear a business meeting, and I get disappointed when I hear that because I feel like we're, 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 first of all, thanking God, but we're also expressing some vision, and we're highlighting some things that God has revealed to us. And, and so I think it's important that we look at it from this standpoint or this, this context that uh, this, is, this is really about, go ahead and put that one up there if we have it. It's about how and why we conduct God's business in our community, why we as a church conduct God's business in our community. I guess I emphasized that twice, not sure why that was in there like that, but, but it's for us to take a look at what have we collectively as a church done over the last year. And then thirdly, and I think the most important is it's an opportunity to say thank you. And uh, Colossians chapter three says, whatever you do, in word or deed, that is the business of the church, the business of the church in word, in speaking, the business of the church in doing, in the church and in our community, that's the business. Whatever you do in the business of conducting church, do all in the name of Jesus. Everything that we have done, this is not us bragging on us, this is not us saying we're such a great church, this is us bragging on God. This is us saying, thank you, Jesus, for the life and the wisdom and the spirit that you put on the inside of this congregation. And then he says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything that we as a church do should be through the backdrop of what it is that Jesus did for us. We don't do this out of an obligation. We don't do this out of a religious duty. We do this because we're in love with Jesus because of what he's done for us. He saved us. He redeemed us. He, he set us on a solid foundation. We're seated with him in heavenly places. Thank God for what he's done for us. Amen? And so our response to, in response, we are operating in a sense out of love and respect for what God has done in us. And he says, and, and giving thanks to God. And I just want it clear. I want you to understand. I want you to hear that all praise, all glory, all honor, anything that we talk about is not us bragging on us. It's us bragging on God. And secondly, I want to say thank you to this pastoral staff over this last year. Uh, so many things. So many, We were stretched in so many different ways. We faced things that we had never faced before. And I'm not here to... Poor, poor people, that's so sad. That's, that's not my point. I'm proud of the staff that we have. I'm so appreciative. The, the administrative team that we have just pulled together in so many wonderful ways and, and, and created ministry where there was opportunity to have ministry, created ministry where there wasn't, reaching out to people and doing things that they had never done before. So I, amen. Give them a big hand. Thank you so much, everyone. I mean, when you got staff that's personally delivering ministry and pizzas and boxes and creating video content and doing all kinds of different things that they've never done before, <laughs> you know, with all the uncertainty, uh, they went above and beyond to minister to this congregation. I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for all, the, all of the dream teamers, children's ministry, and, and those that serve in, in, in our connections team, all of you dream teamers that, that faced a lot of uncertainty, faced a lot of opinions, some good and some, I mean, you know... It, some people were preaching messages about 2020 vision, and, and obviously it was like, this was the year of 2020 opinions, <laughs> just in our church, you know? And, and so a lot of our dream teamers got to be that smiling face as people walked in angry and upset or afraid and, and all of those other things. So our, our dream teamers, thank you so much. And all of you that, whether you gave, whether you prayed, whether you attended, whether you invited, whatever it is, thank you so much. I've said this a hundred times or a thousand times, I'll probably say it a thousand more times, that this church moves at the speed of we. 
Everybody does way more than somebody does. And, and, and I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. And uh, I mentioned, you know, 2020 vision. Uh, we, when we put together <clears throat> series messages, we talk a little bit. How do we leverage? Is, is there a tie-in to what's going on in our community or, 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 or with the calendar? You know, there's just seasonal things. And, and uh, this would have been in, in 2019, towards the end of the year. We're looking at 2020. And, and, and uh, we talked a little bit about, you know, 2020 vision. And I was like, we are not going to do a sermon series on 2020 vision. We do maybe corny things or we do things like that. But for whatever reason, just I didn't like it. A lot of churches did 2020 vision. I'm here to tell you that anybody that did a 2020 vision series of messages at the beginning of 2020 did not have 2020 vision. Because by about the middle of March, their glasses were like this and they were picking themselves up off the floor and we didn't see any. Nobody saw what was coming. Nobody did. And it changed everything. And so a lot of the things that I might talk to you about on, a, on, on this particular Sunday, there were a lot of things that we had ideas about. There were a lot of things that we planned. There were a lot of things that we budgeted toward. And I'm here to tell you that almost all of those things did not happen. There were areas of our church that didn't function for most of the year, that for years before that have, have, have been a very vibrant and alive part of our church. There are other parts of our church that were busier than they had ever been. <laughs> And so a lot of what I might say to you, I, I, I don't have the, there's, there, there isn't anything to say, because we didn't see a lot, of, a lot of those things coming. And so I, 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 I think I want to start sort of with this thought that this particular, this last year was probably for myself, just personally, probably the most difficult year of ministry that we've ever had. And, and I know that for most of you, this was a difficult year just because of a lot of different things that went on. And... Um, <clears throat> I want to make my remarks very limited about that. I mean, from COVID to the, the unrest that happened in, our, in, in the nation and then a, a, you know, a controversial election season and, and so much division in our country that spilled even into this church. And, and, and it's been a, it was a very, very difficult year. But it was also, after taking a step back and that 30,000-foot view, it became one of the most rewarding years of ministry that I've ever had. And that's why a couple of weeks ago, I could so confidently and passionately tell you when I was talking about the storm, <laughs> talking about the storm, and that Jesus said, go to the other side. And then when they went to the other, they got halfway across, there was resistance. A storm rose up. Jesus knew the storm was coming, yet he sent them into the storm. He said, I, I want you to go to the other side. And that's why I, I could say to you that sometimes there's things on the other side that make, worth, make going through the storms worth it. And there was a lot of pressure, there was a lot of stuff, there was a lot of questioning that went on. There was a lot of self-questioning that went on, but I'm here to tell you this morning that there were things of, in ministry that happened that made the storm worthwhile. And I'm not here to tell you the storm is over, I'm not here to tell you that there's not going to be some other things that might happen. That isn't my intention this morning. My intention is to tell you that in the midst of a very difficult year, God was still good, and that there's a good report. And yet a lot of the things that we look at, people have asked me, you know, how's your church doing? I'm like, well, I think we're doing okay. I mean, we're having fun. And, you know, I, I don't know, actually, quite honestly, sometimes. Because, again, the, the, the lights on the dashboard, the things that, that were indicators to us in the past aren't there anymore. But I want to give you a quick, because we need to do this, a quick financial report. Everybody say, oh, great, he's going to talk about money. You know, so here we go. I have a good report for you. I need to take care of this. Because, uh, and I'm going to do it briefly, I normally spend a lot more time on this, but again, a lot of what we talked about and budgeted toward, we just didn't get to. And so, um, it's apparently going to be up all there at one time. And so, I have a couple of different things that I always, when I, when I kind of look at our finances, I have kind of three goals, big goals. Number one is I want to make sure that we as a church can fund, you're not even listening, you're just looking at numbers now, aren't you? <laughs> Go ahead, take a couple of minutes, just look at it all, we'll talk about it. Just, I'll just kind of talk to Shell. How are you doing this morning? You're good? Did you have enough coffee today? Did you eat your keto waffles? No? No? Okay. Everybody done looking at the numbers now? <laughs> if this is your first time, we're kind of casual here. Uh, 
you know, first of all, we want to fund effective ministry. That's, that's the most important to me. We, and I'll just tell you, we've never, ever really done that. We've never fully funded ministry here like we would like to, and that's for obvious reasons, budget reasons, all of those things. But the second thing that I, I want to make sure is that we are taking care of the staff that we have here. We want to, you know, bless them in that way. And the third thing, this is a prayer thing that I'm always asking God for. My prayer is for Joy Christian Center to be debt-free. And uh, that's $842,134. That's this building. Um, you know, we paid down almost $100,000 this last year uh, in the middle of a pandemic. Praise God. And, uh, and I always, <clears throat> always kind of say this, and I forgot to ask Shelly about this, but Shell, I'll tell you what, if Shelly and I will take care of those last four numbers, 2,134, <laughs> if somebody else will take care of the 840,000, anyone going once? Twice online, let people know if you're the one. All right, okay. I'm just one of these times. I'll, be like, I'll do it. <laughs> Our goal is to be debt free, and we're closer to that than we've been well ever. And uh, we were able to refinance this last year. Interest rates were so low. Uh, we were able to refinance. We were at got seven years to go on that. We're going to pay that off quicker. And uh, our interest rate is lower. We're actually paying a little bit more just to kind of get that down just a, a little bit. Last year, this time, we, our debt load was about $939,000. And so, as I said, we've put, taken about $100,000 off of that in the middle of a pandemic and social unrest and an, an election. And so God is good. As you can see, we had tithes and offerings. You gave as a congregation uh, just over a million dollars, one million and eight thousand dollars. Now, now, wait, before you get excited... That is the fourth highest offering that we've ever had, or income that we've ever had as a church. Now you can get excited because that was in the middle of a pandemic. Praise God. You've heard me tell on March 12th, met with staff, our giving had dropped significantly. We were, we were our giving had dropped 70%. This was actually in April. Our giving had dropped 70% for about three weeks or so. I met with staff and I said, listen, if this continues, we're still in the, you know, uh, two weeks to flatten the curve kind of a thing. And, you know, and I, was, I had no idea what was coming, but I was like, you know, if this continues it this way, we're all going to be looking for a job. And if it goes like six months or something, there's a really real chance that, that you know, we just close the doors because we can't absorb that. And, 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 and you know, so we're believing God. We're asking God. And, and, and so for this congregation to respond, and now don't think, well, woohoo, that means I don't need to give anything this year. <laughs> or, well, I guess they didn't miss me not giving this, this last year or whatever it is. Please don't cut yourself off from the blessing of God. In that season where we were, where it was tight, and, and I, I'm not condemning. I'm not blaming. I don't mean any of that. I said to our staff, I said, people don't typically give more when there's seasons of unrest like this, when there's fear like this. People are not going to give more. They're, they're going to be less generous, if anything, for good reason. And I felt like we need to do something. We need to be a doer of the word of God. Because the belief that you have before you go into something will be the, the stronghold when you come out on the other side. And I have a firm belief that you will never outgive God. I have a firm belief that if you give, God gives back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And so I said, what we're going to do is we're going to take 25% of our Easter offering, one of the biggest offerings that we have as a church, and we're going to match that with, with Joy to the World funds. And we had $10,000, and we sowed it into our community to feed hungry kids and elderly people through two ministries or through two generous things. First time we've ever done anything like that. Shortly after that, it's just start, I mean, and I honestly, I didn't know until we got close to the end of the year. I was like, wow, we're that, that's awesome. That's awesome. So give yourselves a, a, another hand one more time. Give God a praise. You see that our expenses was $903,000, and um, uh, total assets that we as a church have, $3.2 million. I'm just going to kind of use the big round numbers. Our long-term liability, $842,000. That's really the only debt that we have is this building. Total equity that we have, $2.3 million. Cash on hand. We have $464,000 cash in the bank. Last year at this time, uh, we had $300,000, so uh, quite, quite an increase. Now, we're not... 
I'm conservative. We're conservative to, the, to, to how we spend money, allocate resources. And, and of that $400,000, $200, is liquid. That means that we could spend it. The rest of that is stuff that is earmarked. We have a, a CD. We have uh, other ministries, children's ministry, different ones that receive offerings. And it's designated funds. Joy to the world is in there, things like that. Last year at this time, we had $135,000 liquid and and so meaning we could spend that and and um and so i say all of that to just let you know that we're in a really good financial position as a church a couple of other streams that that income resources come in one of the things that we do here is called legacy the legacy team the legacy team is made up of people that have the gift of giving do you know that there is a gift in the bible called the gift of giving and just like some people have a gift of singing, some people have a gift of serving, some people have a gift of administration, some people have a gift of speaking, whatever it might be, there is also people that have a gift of giving. This is not to be confused with a gift of having a lot of money. In fact, sometimes those two don't even coexist. But the gift of giving is people whose heart is motivated towards seeing a need and wanting to meet it. And so we, we have, over the last couple of years, created a team. It's a dream team, just like, just like our, our tech team, our worship team, our, our connections team, our children's team, our youth team. It is a team of people that have a heart and a passion to give. And, and this through them this year, uh, we were finally able to get a, our, our security system and get that all updated. By the way, you know, you're all on camera right now, so when you're walking through here, you can smile. And uh, we don't have audio with it, but, but you know, probably might have just made some of you nervous there. Uh, please don't be nervous about that. It's just something that we have needed for a long time. We were able to, this is good news for those of you that are old timers here at Joy. We used to be really trendy back in the 90s, and we had a lot of teal in our building. <laughs> Solstrom's remember it. Gordy remembers the teal. Teal is what brought Gordy here. Teal brought him here, but it was my preaching that kept him here. <laughs> he didn't even respond to that one. Amen. Um, we finally replaced the last of the teal in the children's room, have new carpeting in there. Thank God. And, and uh, those are just a couple of the big things that happened as a result of, of really just that dream team of people that have a heart to give. Another stream, if you will, that money comes into or you give towards is what we call Joy to the World. And if you may have noticed, we did not do a Joy to the World weekend or Sunday like we normally do. Joy to the World is our way of, of giving back. It's our way of being generous. And for $49.95, we ask people to make a difference. And we've made differences in churches. We've made differences in our community. And, and we just ask everybody to get involved in that way. And it is amazing over the years what $49.95 has done. We didn't do it last year, but that doesn't mean we didn't give. We I believe in giving, and it's so important, and part of, as I mentioned, part of our feeding hungry kids and, and seniors was a result of joy to the world, and we've been able to bless other churches. We've, we still continue to bless the uh, Benton County Sheriff's Department. We bring them stuff. We bring them coffee. We bring them donuts. They love us. We love them, and they park over here in the parking lot sometimes and use our Wi-Fi, and, and uh, we love them, and uh, <clears throat> they are a blessing uh, to us, and so... Um, Again, uh, as it comes to Joy to the World, we will do it. Most likely, we're going to do that this fall again. And uh, we just kind of, with all the uncertainty, thought that's one thing we just don't need to, we just don't need to do. And so we didn't. And um, Joy to the World, we also, that's one of the ways that we give, not just locally, but also around the world. We, about $1,000 a month that goes out towards world missions and, and blessing. I believe this, that the world starts right here in central Minnesota, that we are to affect central Minnesota. And so most of our time, our energy and our resources are going to be here in central Minnesota, but we do have a heart for the world and we want to help other ministries that are reaching their parts of the world. And so uh, Joy to the World helps with that as well as just some mission, missions giving. And so um, the very last, last line says, this is a financially healthy church. I want you to know that. I want you to feel confident about that and comfortable about that. And everything that comes into this church, every, that, that $1,008,000 is a result of we. There's not an organization, a denomination, anybody else that's backing us. It's we. It's us. It's us. Now, you can take my word for it, or you can take this person's word for it. If you would, go ahead. Hello, 
I'm Lisa Maurer, a business banker at Bremer Bank, and I have the privilege of working with Joy Christian Center. I know, we all know what a difficult year 2020 was, and it affected everybody. In my entire career, I've seen a lot of difficult economies, and I've seen many industries be impacted, but in 2020, everybody and every business was impacted. And I want to recognize everything that you did to keep serving your faith community through this difficult time because it's what we've needed the most. I really um, appreciate how you adapted to accommodate students and keep them on their journey in their faith and how you serve families who are going through crisis they had never known before. I also wanted to uh, let you know though that I saw in Joy Christian Center financially a very good year in 2020. It's clear you all stuck together and continue to make your church your priority. And financially speaking, you did well and really have to commend you. You continued that. It's been over the years, you've been a very strong church financially, and you continued that even in these difficult times. And you're really making some nice progress in reducing debt. We just did um, a renewal of the church's mortgage, and we got it down to the last seven years at a very low fixed interest rate, which is going to really put you in the home stretch of paying off this beautiful church building. I also wanted to um, let you know that in addition to seeing how strong you were on paper and financially, I really value how you did um, in the community. And instead of turning inward, you really focused outward by feeding people in our community, by sending resources across the nation, even across the world. Um, really um, appreciate all that you do with your financial stewardship in, in your church. I also want you to know that I that you're not alone. Many churches in this St. Cloud area have done well, even in this very trying time. Uh, and it really shows me that faith is important to people in our community. So I just want to say uh, thank you for the opportunity for me to share this message, to give you encouragement, to uh, to congratulate you on making it through this very difficult year. And I know I join you in really looking forward to all that we can have in 2021 and going forward. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. Thank you, Joy Christian Center. Thank you for uh, your love for this church, love for God, love for us, whatever it is uh, that, that motivated you. Um, it's funny, we were talking about the loan and she was just complimenting the church, and I said, you know, could you just, like, come and talk about that? And she goes, I'd be happy to do a video or something. I said, really? You would? Oh, let's do that, you know? And so uh, I just wanted you to hear it from somebody besides me, because you might think it's my job to tell you good news and tell you all the, you know, the sunshine pump, crank it up real good and all that, you know? And, and that is my job. I mean, I'm not going to tell you how terrible you all are and how stupid this church is. Certainly not going to do that. I mean, but I wanted you to hear it from somebody else. I got about 10 minutes, and I want to just, I'm going to race through a couple of things that you need to hear. I said before that there's an opportunity in stepping back to see things that maybe you didn't see before. And I think that there were two very, very important things that happened last year that, that I want to just highlight. One of them um, is, in fact, at our this meeting last year, the theme was Seize the Day. I don't know if any of you remember that or not, but the theme was to seize the day. And shortly after that, we started a sermon series, and it was based in Ephesians chapter 5 that says this, be very careful how you live, not being like those with no understanding. Started today talking about part of my job is to help you see, help you understand, help you know. He says, but live honorably with true wisdom, for we are living in evil times. Take full advantage of every day as you spend your life for his purposes. And I remember early in the year, in, in January, thinking to myself, I went to the staff at our big idea meeting, and I just said, listen, I really feel like our theme for the first quarter needs to be seize the day. It, 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 there's just something in me that, that there's opportunities. And really the question that I asked us as a congregation, I asked myself as a, as a pastor, is how do I seize the day? Because this is what Paul was writing. How do I seize the day when the day is evil? That's counterintuitive because when it's the evil day, it's, it's how do I survive? How do I get through this? How do I make it? It's me, 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 me. In the third week of that series, Seize the Day, that was when, that was on March 15th. I'm sure you don't remember that. But that was March 15th. That was the first Sunday that we did not have a service. I went from March 11th and 
thinking, we need to have a meeting about this. March 12th, we had our meeting. March 13th, we came out with a little video because everybody's talking about, are you having church or not? We're having church. Bless God. We will be there. We're not shutting the doors. March 14th, we put out another video. Sorry, wrong. You know, We're not having church tomorrow. We're going to figure this out. We're going online. And then we did church in the parking lot. But that helped me so much. Seize the day when the days are evil. Because everything changed on, on that, for me anyway, everything changed in that weekend in March. The second thing was, was the prayer of agreement Sunday. How many of you remember that? That was back in February, uh, February 16th. We had prayer of agreement. Pastor Tim mentioned it last week. We will be doing another prayer of agreement Sunday. Uh, that is happening on March 21st. You'll hear more about that. But um, it was the first time that we'd ever done anything like that. And one of the things that I asked you to pray with me about, there were four things that, that Shelly and I would agree with you about. You've heard some different testimonies of different ones whose prayers have been answered. And then I asked you to agree with me that we as a church would experience breakthroughs. And I hated that prayer request, to be totally honest with you, because it was so broad and so vague. It's like, shouldn't we have something concrete and yet, as I prayed, it's kind of weird to pray about your prayer request, but I was praying about the prayer request, and the only thing that kept coming back was coming back to me was a breakthrough. How do we have a breakthrough? We use the scripture uh, along with that series and on that particular day that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. And I recently kind of had the thought, had I been able to actually think about it or think the thought then it wouldn't have been God-sized because he can do more than what I thought about. And I'm going to tell you, we had a year of breakthroughs. And I would tell you that almost all of the breakthroughs that we had were not anything I ever thought about <laughs> at all, which means to me that God answered that prayer because it was exceeding abundantly above all I could ask or think because there were things that I thought were a breakthrough. There were things that I wanted to see as a breakthrough, but God has a weird sense of humor. And there was a virus and a pandemic, and it forced us out of some very, very comfortable things into some things that were very uncomfortable. It stretched us, and, and I had us as a staff. We, we wrote down things that we did for the first time, things that we had never done before. You'd think after 29 years, it wouldn't have been such a long list, <laughs> But there are a lot of things that we did, services in the parking lot, communion in the parking lot, uh, um, you, you know, creating video content, a, a take-home Christmas Eve service, all of those things that we did to minister to this congregation, our youth team and our kids team, creating content uh, and, and, you know, reaching out to feed hungry people, so many things. And yet it revolutionized and changed a lot of me on the inside. And it was powerful for me. And so there's a couple of things that, that I want to say to you this morning in this sermon series of Seize the Day, and, and really a couple of things that stick out to me uh, as I stand here today kind of looking back, uh, you know, 2020 in the rear view. Um, first of all, let me just tell you this. Shelly and I started a ministry 41 years ago. Dang. She's just as good looking as she's always been, and then there's me. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I wrote it down like this. We started in ministry 41 years ago, and now 30 years of joy, which kind of reminded me when I wrote it down, I was kind of like, that sort of sounds like the couple that said, we've been married for 40 years, and 27 of them have been great, you know? <laughs> been in ministry 41 years, and 30 of them have been joyful. Now, we've been in ministry for 41 years. As I said, this is one of the more challenging years that we've ever had, and uh, our ministry journey took us from Minnesota to, Pen uh, to Oklahoma to Texas to Minnesota to Pennsylvania, and we never looked at church or ministry and what we do as, as stepping stones, never looked at it like, well, we're going to go here and be a youth pastor for a while, and then we're going to grow up and be a pastor. We had people asking us, you know, when are you going to become a real pastor? And I'm like, I am a real pastor. I got 100 kids in my children's church. I got 50 kids in my youth group. I'm busier than ever. In fact, my, my youth and children's ministry are bigger than a lot of churches. And they couldn't, some people couldn't get, and so for us, it's never been a stepping stone. It's like, we're here, we're going to do whatever God wants us to do. And I'll tell you, when we started 30 years ago in 1991, I wasn't thinking of, I wonder what life's going to be like in the year 2020. I had no idea. Remember somebody telling us, you need to write down, you need to have a 20-year thing, you know, of, of, you know, I wish I'd have paid more attention way back, because I was like, man, 20 years down the road, Dear Jesus, I got people telling us we're not going to make it two years. I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, was like, what about next Sunday? In fact, and to be honest with you, part of the reason I never really thought about 2020 because I, fig I figured Jesus would have come back by now. What the heck? He's on the slow boat. Come on, Jesus, where have you been? 
<laughs> and so I never really thought about, uh, about those things. And so, uh, as I mentioned to you, a, a couple of things. I hear the music. I hear music playing. A lot of the ministry that we did would not have happened had we not been forced into it. A lot of the things that we did for the first time would not have happened had we not been forced into it. And I want to, I read this, somebody had said this, that crisis is an accelerator. Crisis takes things and speeds them up. It takes trends and patterns and it causes them to hit fast forward. And we've seen that as a church. And and one of the things that that I want to try to, tie up for you this morning. In early March or mid-March, everything changed within a couple of days. And we went to lockdown, we went to, uh, you know, masks, and we went to just everybody being afraid and all of the things, everything just, and, 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 and within a few months, there was the yearning to get back to normal. It's like, when do we get to, when do we get to breathe easy? When does the pressure get off? When is the apprehension? When is that going to go away? And we can just go back to the way that things were. I, I want to I perhaps challenge that thought just a little bit to you this morning because there are things that we yearn for, there are things that we long for that are never going to come back. You need to hear that today. There are some things that have changed so dramatically and changed so much that they are not going to come back. And I kind of chuckled at myself when I wrote that down because I asked myself this following question. (laughs) We're just not sure yet what they are. Can anybody? We know things have changed. There are things today that are unlike anything that we've experienced before. And there are some things that are, that are never going to come back. That if, think about how perhaps your lives may have been altered in a way that you would have never saw a year ago. There are some people that they would have never thought about ordering groceries online, but today you're like, that's the only way I'm ever going to do it. I mean, why do I want to wander around the store? I can just pull in, they bring it out, put it in my trunk, and it's great. If I could get somebody to come home and put it away, that'd be even better. It's been forever changed. Some of you would have never thought, unless it was a pizza, you would have never thought about ordering food and having it delivered to your house, and you're doing it today. There are things that have forever changed that may not ever come back. We're still sorting through, trying to figure out what it is, what it is. As culture changes, and and there are some who never considered giving online. Over 40% of our giving this year was through giving online. That was a, a, almost a 20% increase. Some of you thought, I'll never do that. In fact, some of you were against giving online. And now that's the only way you do it. It's forever changed. And a lot of the things that, that I want to mention to you today, I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm telling you they are. We can, we can complain about whatever it is that we want to complain about, but there are just some things that, are, that, that will not be the same. Do you know that there's, again, crisis is an accelerator. There are, <laughs> there are, are people that will never, they're, they're, they're never going to come back to a church building. Never. Not bad people. Not wrong people. Not terrible people by any stretch of the imagination. They have found out. There are some who, even if there's a, we get a vaccine and the all clear whistle blows and we can all go back to normal, whatever that is, they're not going to come back because they've discovered this is a trend that has been happening. They've discovered that they can do church online. If you're watching online, we want to see your faces. But they've discovered that this works for me. It's church on demand. Now, I don't know that that's the best, don't believe that's the best, but we want to reach people where they're at, and we want to engage our online community. Do you realize as a church, we have two churches today? Most of you aren't aware of that. We have two churches. One's right here, the other one's online. We have shifted so much of, of our thinking. How do, we, how do we effectively minister to the church that's online? There, there, I got this email this week, perfect timing, Pete and Karen Evans, some of you know who they are. She emailed me, she said, I just wanted to drop you a line and say that we really appreciate Joy Christian Center. We've been in Arizona for four weeks, by the way. We don't like you anymore. (laughs) No, just kidding. (laughs) 
We've been in Arizona for, it sounded to me like, nah, 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 we're in the sunshine. We have been, we've been in Arizona for four weeks now, and we are so blessed that we were able to watch the services online. They do have chapel services here, but, but we don't want to miss the services from joy. The music and the messages brought a little bit of home to us every week. We are so glad for the technology and your staff that makes this possible to not miss anything. There are people that are on vacation. There are people that, that are, are elderly. There are people that have kids at home. They're, oh, they're right there. We love you guys. They're right here. Give them a big hand. Had I known you were going to be here, I would not have been mean like that. <laughs> they're back. <laughs> Shelly and I are going to Florida. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> we have an online dream team right now that are meeting people, that are praying with people, that are helping people take next steps in faith. We have an online church. It's called, actually, there's a name for it. It's called Hybrid, a hybrid church. It's, we're doing church live. And, and, and the other side of that, there are some people that are, that are never going to come back to a building, except maybe for special occasions, those kinds of things. The other side of that is that the reaction from doing church in the parking lot and that first Sunday when we finally came back together in June, people actually crying. I'm just so happy to see people. I was just like, really? Seriously? <laughs> How many of you felt that, though? It's like, dang, it's good to see you. So awesome to be together, to experience the joy of the Lord together in such a rich and, and, and vibrant way. And I know this, that if the size of our vision shrinks to the size of this room, then we're going to miss the mission of the church. We've got to think beyond the room. We've got to think beyond our four walls. And, uh, you know, I, I, I personally think, and I don't think it's just because I'm a pastor, I personally think the best thing is to be here, to be to experience and to just to be together. I think that's the best thing. And I need to say, even though we are addressing and, and doing everything we can in, in every, all of our planning, we're, well, how does this affect the online church? We're talking about uh, Agreement Sunday where Shelly and I physically prayed with everybody who wanted to. How do we do that for an online church? We've got other things that we're talking about doing. How do we do that for our online church? How do we, how do we minister to them effectively? It's forced us to think a little bit differently. But I want to say to you, I've experienced other things over the last six months and has brought me to the point that I'll never close the doors again. I will never close the doors of this church building on a Sunday service. Now, as with everything, by the way, every time these church doors are open, I expect to see every one of you that clapped your hands. I expect to see you here. <laughs> no, that's why some of you didn't clap, right? So, ooh, what am I committing to here? And so, but, but there's, with everything, there's a caveat. I'm not demanding everybody be here. I'm not demanding staff and worship team, tech team, whatever. For me, if there is a, a very obvious signal that there's problems, let me say this. If there's 17 inches of snow and a 40-mile-an-hour wind, I am not going to be here. <laughs> and I don't expect anybody else to be here. There will be times. But this church has... has, has We've had to minister to people, do funerals and, and different things that I believe we would not have had to do had, had life not been happening, had services not been. We are a place, in a sense, a hospital. We are essential for those that need that connection, that need those things. And so as far as I'm concerned, everything that we're, we are going to do, everything we can to remain open. It may not be what you're used to expecting, but, but I will be here to make sure that we can minister to people effectively. I need to say one more thing. If you give me a cup, holy cow. Um, just give me a couple more minutes. This year is very, very special to me. Uh, this is 30 years of ministry. In July, we will celebrate a 30th anniversary. I want to share with you the, 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 the keynote scripture that I used 30 years ago that is still so relevant to me. There's two of them. But at first, I don't know if I can make it through this now. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. Whew. God loves us so much. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. Is that not just the be most beautiful thing? He just loves us so much, man. You're just a chip off the old block. I love you so much. Therefore, the world doesn't know us. They don't get us. They don't understand us. How can you be happy in a pandemic? How can you be generous when everybody else is in fear? Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it did not know him. Beloved now, beloved now, beloved now, beloved now, beloved now, we are children of God. Thank God. That is a reality. You are a child of God. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've been born again, you are of that seed, if you will. 
And then he says this, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. And that struck me 30 years ago. It's like, what do you say when you start a church? Kind of weird to really kind of think about it. But it is that now we are and we shall be. Now we are and we shall be. And there were things that we said 30 years ago that we knew. We are a family church that's teaching people to reach their world. But yet we didn't know what we were going to grow into. We didn't know what we were going to become. And there have been a lot of twists and turns. There have been a lot of mountains and a lot of valleys. There's just been a lot of stuff over 30 years. And and I would love to tell you that I had all of this planned out, had it all figured out, knew exactly what was going to happen. There are some things that have so far exceeded my expectations, I'm embarrassed to admit it. And there are other things that just fry my fanny today because we're not past it. It's a divine tension. And I've been asking God, and really a year and a half ago, I, was, I, I just was, I was looking at Acts chapter 8 and verse 5. And this is the second scripture that was a founding scripture for us. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and he preached Christ to them. Talks about signs and wonders and miracles that happened, and in verse 8 says, and there was great joy in the city. There was something about what Philip was preaching that caused a reaction in the city that was joyful. It's the reason that we're called Joy Christian Center. Most people just call it joy. Where do you go to church? Ah, we go to joy. But the heart has always been, we're a family church that is teaching you, teaching me to reach your world. To bring joy to it. It's not to come here so that we can experience joy, so that we can, woohoo! that's awesome and that's good. But if what you hear on a Sunday doesn't affect your Monday, then your Sunday didn't count. And that you and I are to take this message of life, take this message of joy, take this message into our worlds. And I feel like as a pastor, if I'm not helping you to do that, then I'm failing. And I've had to reassess some things over this last, well, really over the, I was heading into it at the end of 2018, I'm sorry, at the end of 2019 and thinking that 2020, a lot of these things would be fleshed out. And I don't know what happened to last year is gone. Can't get it back. And a lot of, in fact, I'm quite honestly, I'm, I'm actually glad in, in some respects because things I was thinking about planning and wondering and praying in 2019 into early 2020, we're not even in the same place anymore. Things have shifted and changed so much. I had a quote, I need to give you this. Can you handle this just a skosh longer? Pastor John's preaching next Sunday. He'll go way short. <laughs> False prophet. Ow. <laughs> He's not alone in this congregation either. All right, so this world has changed a lot. The church world has changed a lot. Things have changed. That Our culture has changed. The church must change to address the needs of culture. The world that we live in. The gap between how our world has changed and how the church changes, the larger that gap, the larger we are irrelevant to the people that we're trying to meet, the needs that we're trying to address. I know that some people don't like this term relevant, being relevant. Oh, we should be kingdom relevant. Really? I wonder why nobody ever thought of that before. It's like a politician. We need to be united. That's a great idea. How come we never thought of that before? I mean, you know. We need to be kingdom, you know, for some people, kingdom relevant is making sure you got a suit and a tie on and that we're singing out of a hymn book. Most of the world doesn't operate there anymore. And so we as a church, we got to understand this world has changed a lot. And the people that we're ministering to has changed a lot. Change has been dramatically forced on them. That means how we respond to the world that we live in needs to, we need to make sure that we are changing as well. We're listening to the Holy Ghost. We're believing the word of God. We're, we're trying to do those things. And so, I promise, this is my last thing. How many of you know who Marie Kondo is? Marie Kondo, anyone? How come it's all, how come it's all women that know? I, I said earlier, I am embarrassed that I know this. <laughs> Marie Kondo is a person who, any guys know who 
not one that will admit it. <laughs> Marie Kondo is a person that helps you declutter your life. Oh. And her, okay, those of you that know who Marie, what is the question that she tells you to ask? Does it bring joy? And so she says, take all your dirty, all your clothes that you've amassed over the years, and you pile them up in your room, and you pick it up, and you hold it, and you ask yourself the question, does it bring me joy? And if it doesn't, you throw it out or you donate it. If it doesn't bring you, and it's like somebody's like, man, I used to be able to fit into that? I'm now depressed, you know, kind of a thing. Does not bring me joy. But what she's saying is that there's sometimes things that we hold on to, and, and I was reading after another person that was talking about this, that sometimes it's an emotional attachment that we have that we hold on to something. It isn't that we need it. It's because it reminds us of something that at one time was really good. And she says, celebrate that moment and then throw it away. And I was, I was reading that and I was looking at it yesterday again. And, and you know, so the whole thing is, you, 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 does it bring me joy? Does it bring me joy? And if it doesn't, it's out. Now, do not do that in your marriage. Do not do that in a lot of he doesn't bring me joy anymore. <laughs> Out of here, you know, kind of a thing. Don't do that in your relationship. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pastor John's preaching next week. He'll take care of all that too. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help us all. Steph, Pastor Steph's going to hate me right now because we're way over. Let me just. Does it bring joy, but it doesn't anymore? That means to celebrate it because it's served its purpose and it's time to go. I think that sometimes churches do the same thing. We, we realize that it's not producing anymore. It's not bringing joy anymore. And that's the question. I walked out of my office last week and I was like, I, I, I just, it becomes so important to me. Is what we're doing bringing joy? Is it helping us to bring joy to our community? And, and, and I, I have so much more that I want to say to you and I, I just cannot, I just got to stop. But I want you to prayerfully ask this question. If this is your church, if you're a guest, visitor, you don't need to listen right now. But if, if you say, Joy Christian Center is my church home. Do you know that we have more people today that this is their church home than we've ever had? Or close to it? Now, it is a trend, it is a pattern that churches are bigger, but people attend less often. <laughs> and so... I want you to prayerfully ask yourself this. Is what I'm doing bringing joy to my community? Is what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm living, how I'm responding, is it bringing joy to my community? Is it bringing disunity? Is it bringing, you know, a, a, a bad attitude? Because if it is, then you need to change. If it is, because Philip went to Samaria, Pastor Brian went to St. Cloud, he went to Central Minnesota, and there needs to be joy in Central Minnesota. I'm not talking about necessarily Joy Christian Center, but what we do, what we say, how we live. And I'm asking myself the question, I want you to ask yourself the question, to prayerfully ask yourself, is what I'm doing bringing joy to my neighborhood, bringing joy to my family, bringing joy to my workplace? When Pastor John is done preaching next week, I'm doing a little series about love, risky love. Because true love is risky. True love, the God kind of love in us that causes us to love another is risky. But it is true love that's going to make a difference. Amen? Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I love this congregation. Thank you so much for them. Thank you for working in them. Thank you for a wonderful year last year. Thank you for lives touched and changed and ministered to. I thank you that you shook us and that you rearranged us. I thank you, Father, that you are preparing us for the future. We believe that the best is still yet to come. And so, Father, we prayerfully ask you to help us to recognize what it is that produces joy, what it is that brings joy. Help us, Father God. Help us to see those opportunities, to seize those moments and days so that we can live for you. I pray that you bless these people, that you keep them strong. Help Pastor John. John preach next week in Jesus' name. Amen.